My parents used to tell me from time to time, cut out that foolishness. And it was usually because, A, I was being a little bit too loud, B, I was being a little too wiggly, or C, it was just a preemptive statement because they knew that I was about to be too loud or too wiggly. I suppose from an adult perspective, being loud and wiggly can seem like just a bunch of foolishness. But to a kid, that was just acting natural. I was just being a kid. This Sunday, we celebrate Palm Sunday. As Jesus entered Jerusalem, he was welcomed by the crowds, but he knew that that excitement was only skin deep. That in just a few short days, these same crowds would be calling for his crucifixion. And yet that was exactly what he had come to do. He had told his disciples something they could not comprehend, that the Messiah would have to die the death of a criminal. The disciples weren't the only ones who didn't understand that. To most of the world, that sounded like foolishness. And yet Paul points out in 1 Corinthians that it is by this very foolishness we are saved. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, the Bible tells us, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. This morning, as we commemorate our Savior's sacrifice through the elements of the Lord's Supper, and now as we look to God's Word, I invite you to remember the power of the cross. The cross seemed like foolishness to the world. As we've seen in, in Paul's writing to the Corinthians, the church had fallen into a very human fallacy. They had begun to look at human leadership as the most important thing in their church. In Corinth, as it does anywhere that happens, this created some divisions. People were taking sides. There were some who said they followed Apollos, a man who was known for his powerful preaching. There were others who said they were followers of Paul, who had started so many churches throughout the Roman Empire. There were others who said they were followers of Peter, who was one of the original twelve disciples and still a leader in the church. Well, Paul described how those kinds of divisions were pointless. Neither Apollos, nor Paul, nor Peter could save anybody. The strength of the church didn't come from their leadership. The strength of the church came from Christ. So Paul finishes the first chapter of his letter we call 1 Corinthians describing how all of this didn't make sense to the world. The cross in the Roman world was not what we so often depict it as today. We, we often have beautiful jewelry or beautiful paintings of, of the cross. The cross in the Roman world was anything but beautiful. The cross was by design ugly and despicable. No one in the Roman world would have worn a cross around their neck. 
No one wanted anything to do with the cross. It was a symbol of fear, a symbol of the power of the Roman Empire, a a symbol of the lowest form of criminal in the population. It was designed to torture and humiliate the worst of the people of each community. It was not the place for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. To the world, the cross seemed like the ultimate in defeat. Paul describes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. He writes, Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and a foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Paul, Paul says to the Gentiles, the cross seemed like foolishness. The, the idea of a Messiah who would die as a criminal made absolutely no sense. And it was the same for the Jews. Even worse, Paul says for them it was a stumbling block. The, the word that he uses is, is the Greek word from which we get our English word scandalous. For the Jew, the idea that the Messiah would go to the cross, it was a scandal. They simply could not understand it. And according to verse 20, they weren't alone. Paul says, the three groups of the smartest people in the New Testament world just didn't get it. In verse 20, he writes, where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? The wise man is a a word that that refers to the Greek philosophers of the New Testament world. The, the, The scholar, that word probably refers to Jewish experts in the law. And the word for philosopher, it was a a very specific word that in the New Testament world, it it referred to a a popular group of teachers who would travel around to to different towns and and draw crowds who would come and listen to their teaching. And and these folks, the the wisest of the wise, the scholars, the the ones who knew the law front to back, the the teachers that everyone thought were, were the smartest people they knew, none of them got it. The best of the best missed it. They missed the meaning of the cross. To them, it was just foolishness. I missed the greatest play of the greatest football game I ever attended. Now, it was a game several years ago when Baylor beat Texas 34 to 24, and many consider it to be the greatest football game in all of Baylor football history, and I was there, only I wasn't. Just after halftime, I decided I wanted a soda, so I went down under the stands, down to the concession area, and was standing in line to uh, get my soda, when, when all of a sudden I heard the crowd above me start to cheer. And, and I later found out that, that Baylor had blocked a punt of the Texas Longhorns, and, and that started a series of events throughout the last half of the game that Baylor came back, won the game. I missed the greatest play in Baylor football history, but I did get a medium Dr. Pepper. 
I'll probably survive missing a football play, even though it was a really good one. The world cannot survive missing the cross. Paul saw that disaster for what it was. While focused on other things that seemed so significant and so important, the world missed the most important thing of all. The cross that to so many seemed like a defeat was in fact the greatest victory in all of history. And that's what we celebrate during this this Easter season. And it's no different even when we can't gather together physically. We can still celebrate together because we know the greatest story in history. We celebrate that our Savior loved us so much He was willing to go to the cross. Even the disciples thought it was over when they saw Jesus dying there at Calvary, but it wasn't. Jesus' death on the cross was not a defeat. It was the greatest victory of all. The cross displays the power of God. Paul continues in his explanation in verse 18, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Paul notes the the problem with the division in the Corinthian church. They were focused on the wrong thing. This wasn't about who was the better speaker or who had more authority. It was all about Jesus. Nothing but the message of the cross could save. No matter how eloquent, no matter how popular, if it wasn't about the cross, it was just a nice speech. The cross changed everything. Paul describes it there in verse 22. Jews demanded miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. This week. As we celebrate Palm Sunday today and then next Sunday as we celebrate the resurrection, we remember the sacrifice of Christ. We reflect on on his journey through the city of Jerusalem, welcomed by the crowds only to be rejected by them just a few days later. We, We remember his trial, his humiliation before his accusers, knowing that everything they said about him was a lie. We recognize that every insult, every lash of the whip, every strike of the hammer on the nails that were driven through his hands and through his feet, all the agony of the cross, he did it all for us. He did it because nothing else could save us. Nothing else could deliver us from the penalty of our sin. Only His perfect sacrifice could pay our price in full. If He had not been lifted up on Calvary, we could not be lifted up to be with Him in glory. 
Without His shame, we have no hope. But in the cross, we have victory. And there was no other way. I remember the first time I looked through a microscope. My, my mother and father had given me one for Christmas. I had these, these glass slides, and on one of them I, I put a slice of onion. On another one I put a little piece of thread. And, and then it also had some blank slides that you could put anything that you wanted to on them. And, and, and one of the slides that I had looked like it didn't have anything, but, I, but I, I put it under the microscope, and there was a whole field of boulders on there. And I took it out and looked at it, and it was just a, a blank slide. There was nothing to put it back on. And sure enough, the, the boulders were still there. So, so I asked my mom, and, and she said, well, I think that's just the dust from your room. The microscope opened up more than just how dusty my room was. As I looked to that microscope, I could see cells and microbes and pollen I put a drop of water from a pond on one slide, and there was a whole city of critters living in there. None of those things could I see without the microscope. I would have never known they were there or how dusty my room was. Folks, there's only one way to see heaven. There's only one path that leads there. Only through the cross. It's why the world thinks that the gospel is foolish. They, they just don't get it. They don't see it. They don't see the power of the cross. What Jesus did was the only way that we could know the mercy and grace of our Lord and Savior. That's the power of the cross. That's the message that we share with our world. That they too can know the power of the cross. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Heavenly Father, on this day we remember the extraordinary sacrifice of our Lord, that He would be willing to walk the streets of Jerusalem knowing where that path led knowing that he would be arrested, knowing that he would be tried, knowing that he would be crucified. Lord, it is beyond our ability to understand the depth of that love. And all we can do is give you thanks. We thank you that through the sacrifice of Christ, we can have forgiveness and everlasting life. And in this week, this Easter season, especially we celebrate your great power and love towards us. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we've done each week, we're not able to have a physical invitation, but we do want to issue you an invitation. 
Perhaps as you've heard these words about the cross, you've recognized that's something I need in my life too. And we like to share with you how you can do that, how through a simple prayer of faith you can receive the forgiveness and everlasting life that only Jesus Christ can provide. So we invite you to, to email us here at the church, nhbc at nationalheights.org. We'll be glad to send you information about how you also can know the saving power of the cross. Maybe there's some other question that you might have, how you can be a part of the, the wonderful congregation here at National Heights. We'd be glad to send you information on how you can do that. Perhaps you have a prayer request that you would like us to be praying with you about. We're glad to do so as well. Again, just email us here at the church, nhbc at nationalheights.org. Thank you for your faithfulness and being a part of these online worship times. We appreciate that so much. Thank you for your prayers for each other, for the ways that you are stepping up and, and caring for your neighbor, caring for your fellow church member, caring for your friend during these days when, when we're all a little bit disconnected. Thank you for working hard to make sure that that ministry is, is happening. Thank you for your faithfulness in giving to National Heights. So many of you have, have been so generous in, in providing your tithes and your offerings to the ministry at National Heights, even during this very difficult time, and we don't take that for granted. We thank you for, for your faithfulness in giving to the Lord. It's a blessing to our church. It's a blessing to us. We look forward to, to being back together again with you physically, but in this time that we're separated, know that we're praying for you. And that if you have ministry need, just email us here at the church or call us here at the church. We're glad to pray for you and to do anything we can to minister to you during this time. Thank you for your faithfulness to our risen Savior. And God bless you.